disappeared. I, I, I'm trusting this morning, and I love how Scripture says that, that the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but also of power. So this morning, before I'm going to start, if, if there's something physically that you, you're trusting healing for, maybe it's a, a, a ligament in the knee, or a, a maybe it's a stiffness in the neck, <laughs> or um, I don't know, can, I, can you just quickly respond if you're trusting for healing this morning? I'm going to ask you just to stand up where you are, and I, I, if the rest of us just, you, you know, if you're around them, just put your hand on them, if you're around them, and the rest of you, just can, can I ask all of us just to to uh, uh, put a hand towards someone around you. Okay, I want all of us to engage here now. Okay, so if you're here this morning, please would you extend a hand to, a hand to someone around you. And Lord, uh, this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just come and display your power. Even as we sang at the beginning, come show your power here this morning. Lord, I pray, we thank you that you're the healer and that we can come to you this morning. And even I, I felt during worship, there's a grace for that. So Jesus, would you come and do what you do best in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Just, let's just take a moment. Jesus. 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 You're the healer, Lord. 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 We thank you, Jesus. 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 Let your kingdom come, God. Amen, 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 amen. I just felt to, to pray for that and just stressful that. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm past of just talking about following Jesus and not necessarily see the reality of following Jesus. I don't know whom of you feel like that. Oh, is it just five of us. That's good. <laughs> Hopefully all of you would, in the end of today, just put up your hand. Um, oh, where's Errol? Errol, where's Errol? Can you quickly share that, um, that word that you felt? I want to I wanna connect with that um, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I woke up this morning, more or less around about five, just from a dream, and I just want to obedient, feel obedient to share it. I don't dream often. I haven't dreamt in a very, very long time. And when you wake up that time of the morning, you remember it vividly. Um, I know it's not just for me. Um, but I, I had a dream where I'm in... I'm in I'm with a tour group. You know when you go on a tour, you go and you, it's with, you're on a bus, you're on a tour group, and I remember where I was in the midst of just people, and we're, I'm a, I don't know them really, they're with me on the tour, and um, we get out of the bus and we're walking to some museum or something, and we go through the museum and I, I through the looking at the things we're looking, and the next, as we walked out, I heard God say to me, we're outside now, not in the building. I hear him say to me, declare that I am Lord right now. Not quietly, loud, at the top of your voice. Declare that I am Lord. And there was nothing in me that held me back. So I just stepped into that because I knew I heard God that I had to declare loud in front of all these people I don't know that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I, I remember in my dream just lifting my hands and just 
the top of my voice declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so what happened the next moment, you can imagine. I mean, all those people, they don't know me. I don't know them. I mean, they're just looking at me. But there was a reaction from the people, literally um, shock, literally. Um, but the reaction that I saw is, I saw a reaction of disgust. Not with them taking, oh, yeah, that's true, disgust. Literally wanting nothing to do with what I just did. So I remember doing it and seeing the reaction. What God, then the moment, I, I re, we know that God's calling us to simple obedience, not worrying about what the people is going to do. But what happened next in the dream is I, I did it, and the people kind of kept their distance from me. They wanted nothing to do with me. And I, I again heard him say, before they get on the bus, tell them this is their last opportunity to accept me. Okay, so I, again, as we're walking to the bus, we're close to the bus, I said, stop. God says to me, I must say, now, this is your last opportunity to accept him. And they absolutely ignored me. They just went up to, onto the bus. They got onto the bus, except one lady. I saw her walking up to the bus, wanting to put her foot on the step and then putting her foot down and coming to the side. And Jesus, 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 for that one, that we may be obedient for that one. And in the dream, that bus was in an accident just down the road. I didn't see the accident, but I, I don't know how to describe it to you. That lady stepped back. She didn't get on the bus. The, the doors closed there, the bus. There I'm standing with her. I didn't see the rest of it. I didn't know. I just knew. I mean, she'd made the choice. She's, a, she's stepped back. But in my dream, not seeing, I know that bus was in an accident, and they never had an opportunity again. And so I, I'm sensing God calling us, not just me, us, into radical obedience in these days. Radical obedience. Simple obedience. Not worrying what your family thinks. Not worrying what your colleagues thinks. Not worrying what your friends thinks. Not worrying what strangers thinks. Because there is not time, God says. That for the one that would turn, that you would lay yourself down, you would become nothing and step into simple obedience when you hear his voice to share. And when I'm, I'm trusting the Spirit, I'm going to pray for us. I'm trusting the Spirit to awaken a boldness within us that, would, that we would step out into that radical, simple obedience. It's simple. It's not complicated. When you send something, you just do it. And the reaction of the people or friends or family, do not worry about it. Because that might be their last opportunity. And they, yes, if they reject it, don't worry about it. And um, so, God, I thank you that you are coming back. You are returning and your desire is that not one would perish, 
But God, your word declares that many will follow the, the way that is broad, but few will follow the narrow way. So not many will accept you, but God, I ask by your spirit that we would step into obedience for the one. I ask that you awaken us. I ask open our ears that we may hear you. I ask again, God, open our ears that we may hear your spirit whispering because it's all about the lost. We we have been saved, yes, for ourselves, but you've saved us that we may give that lifeline to the one next to us and say, I know a way where there's life. And so Jesus, 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 I ask that we would, we would lay ourselves down, that we would not fear man, we would fear you. God, that we would not fear man, that we would fear you. And give us the boldness. I ask, Holy Spirit, it's your work in us that awakens us to step out into obedience. And so I thank you for open ears again, open eyes also to, to see the, where your hand is on, who your hand is on, who you want us to reach out, and then touch our lips in your precious name. Amen. 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 There's a sense of, of urgency in, in God's heart this morning, and I want us to hear that. And with urgency, there's also a clear call from his heart this morning. And this obedience that Errol's speaking about is not just us saying, be obedient. It is from a place of intimacy with God. You see, what overflows from you is most probably what you are chasing. What overflows from you is most probably the very thing that you are abiding with and connecting with. The very thing that you give time to and space for. And there's a call, there's a clear call in the Lord's heart for us to come near to Him. You need to hear that. To come near to Him because it's from this place that obedience flows. It's from this place. It's beautiful in John 15, John 14, 15 and 16. It speaks about obedience being a very sign from us of our love for God. We obey because we love Him. We do. That's, it's as simple as that. We obey Him because we love Him. And this obedience is not just elders that are called to it um, or uh, you know, a certain group of people. I just love how this Jesus is, is relevant to everyone, every generation. And this urgency, this call that, that God is calling us near to Him and near to our, to our hearts is for every generation. It's for the young and the old. It's for every culture. It's all over the world. As I'm standing here, all over the world, there is people gathering. I just, I just love how the gospel, after how many thousands of years, is still relevant to every heart. And it's still simple after all these years. You're called to obedience, and you're called to love Him. You're called to love Him. I want to start off, um, I want to I read this to you. A.W. Tozer actually said this, but he, he said, We need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He's nearer than our soul, closer than our most secret thoughts. 
And it's so beautiful. I want, I want you to hear this this morning. Every, every ear, Lord, I pray that every ear would be open in this place and every heart would receive what you want to say, God. Holy Spirit, if there's a deliverance you want to bring to hearts, um, even as I speak, I pray that you will come and do that, Lord. Uh, if there's uh, a specific things you want to highlight, would you come and do that, Lord? If there's, I don't know, Lord, Holy Spirit, just if, come do what you want to do in our midst now, in this time. But I, I do want to say this, the closeness, being intimate, being in fellowship with God was always part of His original intent. It was always part of His original intent. Always. And I want to quickly take us to Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5. And some of you maybe have read this. And we're going to quickly look there um, this morning. And then I'm going to read it to you. It says, it says the following. It says, even as He chose, that's God, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So before everything was created, before everything was laid down, before anything was spoken into being, there was a desire that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to who? To Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. I just love, if you read Ephesians 1, it's a prayer of Paul where he's praying, and how many times he uses this phrase, in Christ Jesus or in Him. Isn't that beautiful? That when Jesus, it's very simple. The gospel is very simple. Children can understand it. I see my two-year-old daughter, we're speaking to her. You know, she can't even say all the words. But she can point out, where's, you know, who's Jesus. And, and, and we, we're already speaking to her about these things. And I can see, although it's not completely there yet, that a two-year-old is starting to a certain extent forming thoughts about this. Isn't that beautiful? It is so simple that He has chosen us before the foundation of the earth so that we would be holy and blameless. Now, often when you think about holiness, you just think about not sinning. And that it is part of the equation here. But holiness means unto Him, unto God, being set apart to Him. You're made for Him. Quickly, quickly point to yourself. Do this. Everyone here. Say, I am made for Him. No, I want to hear you. Say, I am made for Him. This morning, that is the truth. This truth will never change. That you are made for Him. That before everything, He has called you to be holy and blameless. Why? So that you can be in fellowship with Him. So you can walk with Him. Walk with Him. That is what you called to. To Him. <laughs> to Him. If there's one thing you remember this morning, remember this, to Him, to Him. You know, often there's two groups of people in this room, two different groups, and, and the way that we follow Christ. There's some of us following Him with, from a perspective of, of being sin conscious, and some of us following Him from a perspective of being God conscious. I'm going to explain what I mean with this. Sin consciousness is, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, Sin came into this world, and it's there where God's purpose started. Where God consciousness is, no, 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 no. That's not where God's purpose started. The purpose of the Father started before this earth was created, as we read in Ephesians 1. 
You know, some of you are trapped in a cycle where all that you do is it's, it's you, you try and deal with sin so that you can go to heaven. And that is the extent of what your Christianity is. I'm going to deal with my sin so I can go to heaven. I have a clean chap. I, you know, like I, I have my train ticket. <laughs> I am going all the way straight to heaven. Now I can go on with my life. There's so much more. You see, the call to follow Christ is very much that. It's not just out of something, it's into something. He's called you out of darkness into His what? Marvelous light. That is part of it. Now, sin consciousness is you, you're trapped in this sin cycle. It's all about that. Just deal with your sin and you're okay. Well, I'm saying, yes, deal with your sin. That's important. Repent and turn to Him, but press into Him. Keep on pressing into Him. He is the treasure. He is the reward. That's why we deal with our sin, because we have a bigger yes. We have something that satisfies so much more than any other sin, and that's Jesus. I love how Psalm 16 verse 11 saying, in the, presence, ugh, yeah, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. At the right hand of Him, there's pleasures forevermore. Have you ever thought of that statement? In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. At the right hand of God, there's pleasures forevermore. Have you ever thought about that? It's in the Psalms. <laughs> it is such a beautiful declaration. And contrary, when I read that, I feel like, God, I am most probably missing something. And I need more of you. Because this is what your word says. He's our bigger yes than anything else. You're not just called, beloved, to deal with your sin. And that's that. No, you're called to deal with your sin and to walk with Him until you can't walk anymore, until you're with Him. And then in eternity, you're going to be with Him forever. And for some of us, if you're sitting here like, oh, I'm going to be with Jesus, and we're probably just going to worship, I'm not sure if I will be able to do that, then you don't know Him if you think like that. Because He is the ultimate satisfaction. Do you know that? He's the ultimate satisfaction this morning. Sorry, people. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going on. But I do want to tell you that His desire for you started before the world was created. Not just when Adam and Eve fell into sin. It was before that. It was before that. You see, redemption, redemption, Jesus coming to this earth, dying for us, taking our place where we deserve to die for our sin. You know, we deserve the, the wrath of God in that moment. But Jesus took our place. He, he became sin who knew no sin. So we can uh, be, have the righteousness of God. So we can be in right standing before God. He, he took our place. Now redemption is Him putting us back on track with this very thing. Jesus becoming our all in all. That is the purpose of it. Not just to redeem us from sin, but to put us in Him. To put us in Him. Everyone say, to Him. In Him. That's what you're called to. All of us. All of us. All of us. You see, in this morning, your perspective of the cross is actually very important. It's very important. It is not just a by-the-way conscious suver. That he died on the cross. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, thank you, Jesus. It's okay. I'm forgiven. <laughs> no. It needs to define you. It needs to mark you. It needs to 
almost rip you apart <laughs> and bring you to a place of, as um, David said this morning, that there's just, you know, I am nothing compared to him. He is all in all. All in all. It needs to mark us this morning. But your image of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus is very important. You see, some of us, we follow Jesus, or we, we follow an image of Jesus, and it actually costs us nothing to follow Him. He's in, he's in our box, you know? I, I, I have my times of being with Him, and I have my times of, you know, going Wednesday evenings and Sunday mornings, and I, I limit Him to these spaces and places. But actually, it, does, it doesn't cost you so much. Following Jesus, following Christ, a Christ that is resurrected and alive, will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. Not just part of you, everything. And people don't like hearing that. You know why? Because we love being in control. Who of you love being in control? I, I, would, I would say I have a tendency. I love being in control. I think it's all humans. You know, we, we love having a sense of control. We do. But following Christ, there's this call to give it up. <laughs> and it will cost you. This morning, if you want to know you're following Him, the question is, does it cost you something? Does it cost you everything? And if it doesn't cost you everything, you need to ask yourself. You need to maybe just be true to yourself this morning and then ask yourself, am I really following Him then? Because He wants everything. And can I tell you, oh, what a delight to follow Him. What a delight to follow Him. It's not just like, hey, follow me and that's that. It is a delight to follow Jesus. It is such a delight to follow Him. Um, <laughs> so I want to quickly look at two portions of Scripture this morning. Some of this, what I actually said now, is not what I'm going to speak about. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I'm feeling this morning I, I got into the kitchen and I saw our little Emma Joy standing there, and I could see her mouth is, is like these, uh, um, it's, it's like black, and there's something on here that she messed also on her, her, her shirt. And I was like, what is that? And she took our coffee out of the grinder, and she ate it this morning. Now, I feel a little bit like that this morning, you know? Uh, I feel a little bit like I'm, I'm a bit everywhere. <laughs> Pray for me. She was probably not going to sleep today. <laughs> Um, but I remember when I was 17 years old, I was in grade 11, um, it's not many years ago, by the way, um, but um, I was in my high school in Paul at that time, and there was a, a group that came and visited me, some of you maybe have heard about them, Team T, um, they're part of this church, um, and they did an outreach at our school. We had a worship evening. They came to our school. And I was a grade 11. I've been following the Lord already for three years. Had glimpses of the way that God moves and, and how He speaks and what He does. Um, but, you know, I was baptized with the Spirit. But I, yet I always had a sense there was more. And this specific evening, before the worship evening, this Team T group comes and they divided us into groups and we had to pray together. And there was this guy in our, our group, some of you would know him, um, Carl Albertain, Kala. Now he leads um, the Stellenbosch congregation. He led the Bible school also for many years. He was part of this family for many years. But um, he, uh, 
he, he came to my group and he, we prayed together. And afterwards, he came to me and said, I have a word for you. And he said, I found John 11 for you. And in John 11, there's the story of Lazarus. Now, who of you know the story of Lazarus? Okay? Most of us. It's one of those weird stories that we teach children. <laughs> um, but um, John 11, he said, John 11, he said, I feel like there's a sense that God wants to come and awaken you. He want that which is dead, he wants to come and bring life. Because that's who he is. And he, and he, and he's, and he, he words that he used is, God wants to come and reveal himself to you. That's the phrase that he used. In the past two weeks, for some reason, I actually never thought so much of, I mean, at that time it was a massive blessing, but I mean, for many years I haven't thought of it. In the past two weeks, I felt like God reminding me of this word. And I just went to John 11, and for two weeks, I sat with John 11. Sat, prayed through it, read through it, read through it again, read through it again, read through it again, once more, read through it again, and <laughs> pray through it. And that's what I did with John 11. As I went through it, somewhere in the, in the past two weeks, I felt God saying, there's a word for my body in this. And uh, so this morning, to a certain extent, I, f I feel like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm obedient to bring something that I feel like the Lord is saying. But I'm also wary of the fact that there's some of us sitting here this morning and we're desperately in need of the life of God when it comes to following Him. And this is maybe going to sound a little bit harsh, but I'm praying that Holy Spirit would come this morning and expose where we have clinged to religion. We've clinged to, to death, you know, things that isn't necessarily the life of God. Or even where the Spirit is leading us. And I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you come and do that? Would you come and show us? So we're going we're gonna to read John 11 now. It's going to sound like a lot, but I, I just felt like even preparing, I was like, we're going to have to read this. I can't just speak about it. So you can follow with me. If you have a Bible, you can go to John 11. If it's on your phone, go there. But it's always good to read Scripture, amen? And we are going to do that quickly. John 11, verse 1. I'm going to stop now and again just to give one or two nuggets, but uh, you, you will see. John 11, the death of Lazarus. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. I'm just quickly going to stand still here to give you context. Now, Bethany, so all of us on the same page, we often throughout the gospel see Jesus going to this little insignificant place called Bethany. That was a few miles away from Jerusalem. That was the Jewish, I mean, that was the place of worship. They would go there over Passover and all the Jews would go there to worship God. But for some reason, we see Jesus coming back to Bethany, this small insignificant town. And the only glimpses that we, we get of um, um, Bethany throughout Scripture is that there's three people there called Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And the one thing that is evident if you read all four of the Gospels, Mark, ugh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would see that these three followers of Jesus loved Jesus. For some reason, Jesus felt very welcome in Bethany. And contrary, even when Jesus went to heaven, it was near Bethany. Some say it was in Bethany that he was taken up. Why? I don't know. But he felt, well, he felt welcome there. And the only glimpse that we have is there's three lovers of God in this place. And it's as if Jesus just went and made his home with them. Isn't that beautiful? 
And that is the context here this morning. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Mary and he loved Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. It was known Jesus loves Lazarus. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, very important. Verse 5 and 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there no 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I love this phrase, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. They thinking Jesus is saying he's literally just asleep. He's taking a nap. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus had died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Tom, Thomas called the twin, imagine that, your nickname is twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> now when Jesus came, so he's on his way to Lazarus, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. In the Jewish culture, if something like that happened, someone died, it was a very communal thing. If someone died, everyone went to cry. Whether you knew that person or not, you went to cry. I don't know how they did that, you know, because if you've never seen this person, I don't know, everyone was sad. It was just a part of their culture. Um, nowadays, that would be tough for us to do that, but that's how it looked. That's why there was a group of Jews actually there also um, consoling Mary and Martha. Um, verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. She thought she's, Jesus was saying, your brother will rise one day after everything has ended. You know, when, when you come back one day, then he will rise again. And then Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. But Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in place where Martha had met him. 
And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept the man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was the cave, and a stone lay again. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. He will stink. For he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Isn't that beautiful, that Jesus would pray a prayer like that? That he would say, you know, I'm praying this actually so that they can hear. <laughs> when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Just imagine how that must have sounded that day. Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Okay. Now it's a lot of scripture, but I, I wanted to read the story that all of us uh, can just remind ourselves and refresh ourselves. Now I want to ask a question from this portion of scripture. How does God love us? How does God love us? We have an example here of, of Jesus loving Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Scripture says Jesus loved Martha and Mary. And it says, Lazarus, the one that you love. So here we have a clear example of Jesus loving. And the question is, how does he love us? Who of you want the love of God? Okay. I hope you do want the love of God. Okay. It's a good desire to have. And we can ask him for it. But I want to quickly go back to verse 5 to 6. Verse 5 says, um, Esther, you can also go back there. You are there. Now Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Isn't that strange? I read this and I was like, okay, well, verse 5 says that Jesus loved Martha and Mary. But verse 6 says he stayed you, the outflow of his love for Martha and Mary is he stayed for two days longer and didn't go and heal Lazarus. It, it's that, that was quite strange for me. And I, I sat and I pondered and I thought and I, I prayed. I asked the Holy Spirit to, to speak to me about it. And I want to give you a simple answer to this question this morning. How does God love us? The answer to this question is he loves us by revealing himself to us. He loves us by revealing himself to us. He loves us by giving his son to us. He loves us by showing us who he is. That is how God loves us. Well, how can I say this? Verse 25. 
Jesus could have gone and healed Lazarus immediately as Mary and Martha asked. Hey, can, would you please come and, and, and heal him immediately? But Jesus had another purpose in that moment. He, he said to Martha, he gives a glimpse to what he wanted to come and do in verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. And if he went and healed Lazarus at that moment, he couldn't display the resurrection and the life <laughs> at that moment. He loved Martha and Mary, by revealing to them that He is the resurrection and the life. That is how Jesus loves us. By showing us Himself. By showing us Himself. Do you know this morning, just even having Scripture open this morning in front of you, eh? and even reading through this. I mean, I didn't, I, I mean, this, I, I literally just said this. We, we, we read mostly a, a big portion of Scripture now. But constantly, Jesus is revealed. Even if you read Scripture, you will see that Jesus is being revealed. Old Testament, it reveals Jesus. New Testament, it reveals Jesus. That is how He loves you. John 3, verse 16. Most of you know it. God loved the world so much. By how? How did He love the world? By giving His only Son. This is how He loves. He gave. He gave. I just love. You know how I love Emma? Emma Joy. She's at this stage. She obviously has fears and, and you know, things where she often wants our comfort. Or she would fall, you know, and hurt her knee. And then she cries. And then mommy and daddy must come. And, you, you know, you hug in the moment. And, you, you know, you actually don't do anything to the knee. You just touch it. And then it's fine, you know. And, or um, uh, in the evenings, now and again, Emma would wake up and she would cry. And I would go in that moment, lay down with her and just hold her. Give her that sense of comfort. And I, I love my daughter by revealing my nature to her. That's how I love my daughter. I reveal my nature to her every day. I reveal my nature to her in her needs, her desires. Even in discipline, I reveal my nature to her and I love her. And I think it's similar with God with us. He's revealing His nature to us. He's revealing His nature to us. But you must choose to participate in that or not. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Are you reading Scripture? Are you spending time in prayer? Or is it a byproduct? You know, you have your ticket to heaven. <laughs> Why must I do all these things? I will do it now and again. It's necessary for us to press into Him. There's no other option. He loves us by revealing Himself to us. There's a big connection between the love of God and the glory of God. In verse 4, even Jesus made this connection. He said, but when Jesus heard it, He said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God. You can go to uh, even John 17, verse 24, a prayer that Jesus prays for us. And He makes this statement. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom You have given Me may be with Me where I am. To what? To see My glory. To see Jesus revealed. To see Jesus revealed. I love how John Piper said, Until Christ becomes our treasure, we don't know what it is to be loved by God. Until Christ becomes our treasure, we do not know what it is to be loved by God. Why? Because we didn't choose to participate in that. Every day, 
His Spirit is revealing Him. Every moment, every day. Amen? <laughs> you see, there was three times in this portion of Scripture where they questioned the love of God. Um, the first time was Mary that came and said, and it was indirectly questioning. Mary came and said, why didn't you come immediately and heal him? You know? And then after that, Martha, uh, um, uh, Martha first came, and after that, Mary came and said, why didn't you come and heal Lazarus immediately? And the third group was even the mourners. They said, you know, um, they said, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Interesting, after that, it said that Jesus was greatly troubled. And we usually refer the scripture, Jesus wept to the fact that Jesus had empathy in that moment. And he, did, he does have empathy. But if you look at the original word there, it actually said that Jesus was a little bit agitated. Why? Because they questioned his intent, whether he loves them or not. That weeping was, I am troubled that you believe that I actually do not love you. That my intent is that I do not want to reveal myself to you. You went as far as telling Martha, I know what you're saying, but I'm saying to you, I am the resurrection and the life. But Mary and Martha had this desire that we spoke about now, not to control. All of us have this, and it comes through now and again. Like, why didn't you come and do this? I love it that Jesus is alive. He cannot be controlled. <laughs> He's, you cannot tame him. <laughs> You cannot tame him. We cannot tame him. I wrote here, Oh, beloved, how, this is, I felt like just Jesus speaking to us, how I want to reveal myself to each one of you. Some of you have believed this lie that distance defines me. But oh, it's closeness that I desire. I am closer than you think, not of your doing, but because of a loving, cleansing blood that flows and flows and flows and flows. He's bringing you close. It's His intent to reveal Himself to you. How will you respond to this? How will you respond to this? I'm almost done. I want to take you to a second portion of Scripture quickly. In Luke 24, verse 13 to 35. This is my last point that I want to make this morning. You see, throughout Scripture, there's many examples of Jesus revealing Himself to the disciples. He revealed himself every time, you know, when he healed someone or when he called the disciple to follow him. When he addressed the Pharisees' attitudes, he revealed a part of him. He, Jesus was revealed to Paul. He was actively killing Christians. And on his way, you know, persecuting Christians, God reveals himself to him. Throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, Moses, Noah, Daniel, every story that I am reading to my daughter now like 2,200 times in one week, the th golden thread is God is revealing himself constantly. Are you participating in this or not? You are invited. <laughs> But you need to choose whether you're going to be part of this or not. Quickly, Luke 24, verse 13 to 35. The context is here. You get two disciples. They're walking. They're walking. They're speaking. Jesus was just crucified and put into the grave. And they're walking. You get almost this feeling. These two disciples, they are downcast. They are sad. You know, this Jesus that we have followed, this happened to him. Oh, like, how can it be? And, and that is the context. I quickly want to read this to you. Verse 13. I'm reading a lot of scripture today. Eh? 
It is good for us. Amen. <clears throat> I'm giving you some steak today. <laughs> Verse 30. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called um, oh, Emmaus. I think, is that in English correct? Anyways, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Interesting, that Emmaus means hot springs, road of salvation. That is the meaning of that name, which is very profound in the context of the story. Verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had just happened, okay, of what happened to Jesus, that he was crucified. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing them. So they walked with Jesus. Jesus was there. He just died. He's actually resurrected, and now he's walking with these two, but they don't recognize him. He asked them, Jesus asked them, why are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. They were sad. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that had happened there in these days? Asking that to Jesus. <laughs> what things, he asked, <laughs> about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to, the, to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Interesting. So they are still sad, although the women came to them and said to them, Hey, Jesus is not in the grave. He's alive. Do you think they believed the news? No, they didn't. Because they were still sad. And then Jesus said to them, I love how Jesus just takes on the issue. How foolish you are. <laughs> And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. So Jesus, you know, he went on like saying to them, listen, I'm going to go further. But they urged him strongly. The two disciples went and said, whoa, 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 whoa. stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Interesting, that word strongly means they were tenacious. They were fierce. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they knew him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? What an interesting story. Here you have a picture of Jesus revealing himself to these two disciples. But there's different stages that we see here in this story. I'm not going to stand still with all of them. But the first thing is they said, they testimony was, wasn't when Jesus broke open the scriptures to us. You know, our hearts burned at that moment while he was teaching us while we were walking. Now, there's many of us, our Christianity is actually very much like that. We live from moment to moment to moment to moment. We have a, a moment of reading scripture and, you know, there's a moment of revelation and there's a burning heart. 
Or we, we have a moment of, in worship, you know, there's a phrase that I just sung, and oh, my heart is burning, you know. Or at community, we're praying together, and there's a, there's a burning heart. And although this is good, that burning heart needs to lead to something more. Skulk, what do you mean? I thought it's good. I must just have a burning heart. No, you must have a burning heart, but it needs to lead to more. And I'm going to show you, this is how we need to respond to God revealing Himself to us. Jesus wanted to go further, Scripture says. And they strongly urged Him and said, No, stay with us. Other translation says, Abide with us. Skog, how must I, you know, in these moments of, of revelation, in these moments of God revealing Himself, or even reading Scripture, how must I respond? I don't have all the answers to you, but we can pray and just ask Him, God, oh, would you stay with us? What I do know is you are called to have constant, everlasting communion with Jesus. Not just moments. Not just moments. And how beautiful that Jesus would break the bread in the end and the eyes would go open. The ultimate sign of who He was and what He did for us. He gave His body. He poured out His blood. And in that moment of breaking the bread, what happened? The eyes went open and they saw Him. I want to tell you this morning, He is revealing Himself actively to each one here. I have, I'm convinced there's no one here that does not have access to His heart. There's no one here that cannot know Him. He is revealing Himself to us. Quickly close your eyes, just where you are. And we're going to actually have communion this morning. And the worship team can even also come up. Um, but we're going to have communion this morning, even as a, as a sign where we're going to respond together as a community and say, oh God, like even as these two disciples, would you come and reveal yourself to us? But may it be from a place of abiding with you. Would you stay with us? Would you abide with us? Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, for every heart in this place, again as I prayed at the beginning, if you want to deliver, would you come and do that? If you want to come and show us, Lord, we, we maybe haven't stewarded what we had in you well, would you come and do that? Maybe there's some of you, you've, 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 you're saved, um, you gave your heart to Jesus, you got baptized, but after that it was just a struggle, you know, with God. And it's almost like there's this tug of war between the things of the world and His presence. And this morning, as David said, what he wants is everything. I love how Errol said it. When he walked out, he, he, he made this declaration this morning. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. And I felt like I, I want to make two calls this morning. And you guys can start. But... Um, I felt, I felt two things this morning. If you were sitting here this morning and, and you, you, you made a commitment towards Christ, but you acknowledge there's this tug of war, you maybe you're living a, a, you're following Christ either out of a, you know, just dealing with your sins and trying to go to heaven, but you realize there's more and you want to you commit this morning or even bring yourself just before Him and say, Lord, I'm tired of holding on to all these different strings. I want you. Can I ask you just to stand up where you are? I do feel like we need to actively respond to you.
maybe you you have the sense of just as I mentioned you have these moments of a, of a burning heart but it doesn't necessarily lead to more and this morning you acknowledge you know there must be more than just me trying to to, to be good <laughs> I'll just give one more moment for you to respond this morning I'm going to pray a simple prayer this morning. I'm not going to make it too complicated for those of you responding. And I'm, I'm, yeah, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the one that in Ephesians 1 it says that you're the spirit of wisdom and revelation, yet you reveal the Son to us. And I pray just for a, a seeing of you like never before. And even as you are revealed to every heart, God, may there almost come a tenacity in us. Jesus, that says, there's nothing else that I want. You're the only one that can satisfy, Lord. It's with you that I want to be. And Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray that you will bring and ultimately show that Christ is our treasure, Jesus, to every heart responding this morning. Jesus, would you come and do that, Lord? Would you come and do that? Would you come and do that? In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. You can quickly take a seat. And then I, I, I want to throw this out. I, I think I can do it after communion, but I, I do feel like I want to do it before communion. Number one, I think it's biblical um, that if you take communion, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> um even as I was, I was sharing, and you're like, oh, Skulk, I'm, you know, I'm not even, uh, I hear what you're saying, that, you know, that, that Jesus can be all in all, and that, and that scripture in Psalm 16, verse 11 that I used, that in the presence of God, there's a fullness of joy, there's right, and there's treasures, uh, uh, pleasures forevermore. And you're like, you're, you're Skulk, when, when, when people speak about Jesus, that's not necessarily the picture that I get of Him. I want to say this morning to you that He died for you to bring you into Him. So that you can walk with Him. This is not a religious opinion and concept, but this is the real Jesus. He became sin, who knew no sin, so that you can be in right standing before God. So you can stand before Him. And I do want to throw the invitation out there before we're going to take communion and respond this morning. If you do not know Him and you want to get to know Him, this morning. You want to make that decision this morning to give your heart to Him. Can I want you to quickly put up your hand? I do. I need to throw it out. Is there anyone here this morning that wants to respond to Him? Is there anyone? Give 20 more seconds. Okay. Jesus. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to respond in communion. You're going to take the bread and we're going to, we're going to gather in groups of four and five. Maybe take your family with other family. And we're going to, as we take it, we're just going to, number one, thank Him for revealing Himself to us and being faithfully revealing Himself to us as a body. And number two, we're going to ask Him, God, even as those disciples strongly urged Him, say, Lord, we know we want to walk in the reality of You this morning.
stay with us. And we're going to respond in that way this morning. So if we can practically, um, if there's uh, some of the team that can just help us, and um, maybe it was better for us to come to the front. Now, if, if we can uh, just come and quickly come and uh, fetch communion here in the front, and then if we can gather in groups and just pray together. I don't want us to be alone in this, okay? I want us to pray together. So uh, you can quickly come and fetch, and then we're going to respond. <laughs>